South Australia I was born. Heave away, hold away in South Australia around Cape Horn. We're bound for South Australia. What I like about folk music is that whole idea that it changes through the group or the, the, the situation and, and it's a, a completely changing force and it's not something that's meant to stay stagnant. Well, there, there are a lot of people that you and McCall was n- notoriously rigid about phrasing and about form. So if you came to you and McCall's folk club, you had to do a song from your tradition, from your area, and you had to do it in that tradition. I love you and McCall's stuff, but I wouldn't probably feel very comfortable. And I don't like those situations where someone dictates whose turn it is now, and it has to be like this. So yeah, I think you're right. It does change incrementally. I try to keep a little pocket of respect somewhere in my head for the people who keep the tradition alive, though, because those are the people who made it possible for me to discover this music. And I, I think it does need to change to, to live, but I try to be respectful of people who guard the tradition as well, because the tradition is what it is, and it should be a living tradition, but it also comes from this cache of treasure that is a real thing and shouldn't be lost. So I fight with that one. And look, the songs also come from a tradition of people who did them for entertainment. A lot of these ballads are like soap operas. The ballads that I really like, you know, Anarchy Gordon, Lord Bateman, Fair and Tender Ladies, they're, they're the shitty TV of their generation. And I try and remember that it doesn't make you more worthwhile to necessarily be intellectual all the time or to be a creative person. And the stuff I love came about from people's recreation, which comes back to the value about play and saying, well, there's nothing wrong with working and playing and just being happy with that. That's an okay thing. And that actually, if you just have work and play, sometimes the creative stuff has more room to come out. And you actually develop your own sense of self-worth because you have a grip on your time. I think it's true that just like Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen's music and then Nick Cave and Tex Perkins, this stuff all comes out of a place and an influence and then morphs and changes and then occasionally you get a throwback where, like what we're having at the moment where everybody is doing tribute shows. Have you seen that? Yeah! Brooke Russell and all of the Americana kids keep doing these tribute shows which are just knockout fantastic and I've been hearing a little bit about how it's trite or everyone's doing it, it's not a very original idea and then I, I go to see these shows and actually what it, what it means is I'm getting a chance to see the influences and passions of a lot of people that I would never have known about. Slide musicians that I just think are fantastic to play with the waifs and and it turns out that actually they really love these. That's an amazing thing to see. I like that aspect of the tradition and the folk scene too because it feels more participatory or... Yeah, a communal... Mm. A communal type thing. Yeah, yeah I am. Because I come from Portland, which is just near Port Ferry. There's something about Port Ferry that I always think is magical because of the festival. And it's got something. And it must have this amazing little community of yeah. folk musicians hiding under the, <laughs> the, the pub floor and coming out in, think, in March. I think Shane Howard's there a fair bit. He just did a, a book about St. Bridget's Church. Okay. St. Bridget's is a little hole there where they have the session. It's just outside of town. Oh, Shane Howard and um, the Fitzes and all the tunes players, real diehard tunes players, they go and have a session up there at the end of the festival each year. And I always thought he must just live there, but I think he's there a lot because he's got this real tie into this hole that they, they ended up raising a lot of money to save in the last couple of years. Well, I know that on a Sunday afternoon there is folk in the pub in Port Ferry. I just haven't got there yet. I did find there's an Irish pub in Warrnambool and there were some session musicians 
in there and they must be go there on a Saturday afternoon and I'm like, now nah, how do I join? How do, do I just bring my mandolin and sit here and go, okay, I'm ready? <laughs> that's how I got most of my education. Also, that's how every member of that group that you go and join got started. Um, people say to me, I, I used to say, I really want a concertina. And they go, well, that's a really expensive instrument, Mandy. Can you play concertina? And one day I looked up and I realized, oh, it's really hard to learn to play an instrument that you don't have. <laughs> and it's hard to learn a culture or learn the language of a culture like music or tunes if you don't go. So with a session, part of the, the Irish tradition is you, you go to the sessions. It's a social thing. People go to hang out with each other and have a pint, have a good, have a crack, you know, a good laugh and a tune. And the tunes are like a language, you know, we all learn, they all, because I don't really, I don't know this, this is part of the culture I'm familiar with, but don't speak as, as it were. It's like joining a group of friends in a pub. You're allowed to. You're in a pub, you're in a, you're, or in a public environment, the park, you can talk to people, you're allowed. <laughs> But you don't just walk into the middle of the group and crack a joke and expect everybody to think you're in the bit. You start at the edge and you listen and you watch and you kind of get the hang of it slowly and then you come back next week and you might recognise a couple of the tunes and then you sort of start to play along the week after that and then you might actually have a whole tune and then when somebody says, what have you got, show us your stuff, then you have a crack. Mostly people in sessions are encouraging, provided you don't play guitar badly all the way through the sessions. <laughs> you know. That's pretty... You don't stamp on somebody else's social mien, and you don't do it with a session either, but take your mandolin, go to the sessions, do it! I will! <laughs> Bellowhead and Imagine Village are. Ah, okay. So I, I lived in England for a while. They're English bands. Imagine Village is more like a project than a band. I can't actually tell you all the artists involved. It's got a heavy contingent of traditional, I don't even know which kind of Indian music I should. It's been a while since I got into it and it was a foreign language to me at the time. And, ah. The people I recognise from that project are Billy Bragg, Eliza Carthy, Martin Carthy, Chris Wood, who's an amazing ballad singer and fantastic songwriter. He's got this great song about a fish and chip shop and it's a love story. And the boy who does the fries is in love with the girl who, who sells the fish and chips and he buys her a ring and proposes but had never flirted with her before and she doesn't see it coming and she throws his ring away into the ocean. And then one day she's gutting fish and the ring comes out of a fish. And he says, look, I know you don't want to marry me, but sell the ring and taste the freedom you've dreamt of all these years. Have a bit of luxury. And she says, go back to the frying. Sing me love is blue. You're kindly and you're comforting. I'd rather stay with you. And the friar there was Billy Smith. He sweated and he sang. As the odor sizzled in the oil and bubbled in the pan. 
And so this guy with this incredible imagination, this incredible heart and ability to write these songs, Billy Bragg and Eliza Carthy, who is one of the most influential younger voices in the folk scene anywhere in the world, the British Anglo folk scene anywhere in the world, have teamed up with this Indian group like Bollywood music, but with tradition only on a grander scale. And they create these reworkings of old traditional songs, which are just phenomenal. So they've done, um, there's a great one with like zither and tablas and where they uh, called Haley Windy Night, which is an, a really old, night visiting song let me in the soul to cry the cold highly windy night oh let me in the soul to cry I'll not come back again now but they've done it with this incredible Bollywood backing They've got a, a Jamaican rapper, a Jamaican MC, whose name I should also know. I should have researched this. I didn't know you were going to ask me. Um, but it's all there. Look up the Imagine Village. You can you can find out all about them. And he did a modern-day retelling of an old story called Tam Lin. And in the original Scottish folk song, well, there's some argument about whether it's Scots or English, but you can talk to mainly Norfolk website about that one. Uh, but the original Tam Lin story is a story about a fairy queen and there's a, a young fairy who some in some stories he's a prince or, or a royal some stories he's a fairy the fairy queen becomes in love with him and he he doesn't he doesn't return the affection and she puts a curse on him and by day he's a, a beast of the forest and by night he turns back into himself Tam Lin and uh, our leading lady goes wandering in the forest she's a, a young teenage girl very pretty long red hair and uh, she meets Tam Lin around dusk she's she's picking roses in what she thinks are her father's woods but are actually according to Tam Lin Tam's woods because why, why are you picking my roses I'll, I'll pick any roses I want screw you and he goes, well, I, I beg to differ. And then, of course, they fall in love because that's what happens in the folk songs. And uh, they fall in love and she gets pregnant. And then she comes back to the forest and she's picking the, the grey herbs that will give her an abortion. And he's, of course, horrified by this and says, why are you pulling the weeds? This is, this is our love, the product of our love. She says, well, it's not like you're going to come home and marry me. And he says, well, I'll, I would, but I have got this curse, you see. But there is, there is a cure for this curse. If you you stay with me all night, all the way through the night, or depending on the version you're listening to, all the way through the day, because the versions change according to the country. And, um, I will turn into many scary beasts. I will become a, a bear, I will become a lion. This is also, there's a great version of this song recorded by Anais Mitchell and Jefferson Hamer um, on the Folk Alley sessions. And, and uh, I think they put out an album of child murder ballads with, with this on it. But, uh, but what Imagine Village did was they sent it to this Jamaican MC. And what he did was he put it into modern day terms. And Tamlin became a war refugee and an immigrant who was there illegally outstaying his visa. And our leading lady became a young teenage 
girl who goes clubbing and gets herself knocked up. And she's pregnant, she goes searching the clubs for him and she finds him eventually and says, well, I'm in love with you, what are you going to do about it? And he says, well, I'd love to stay and help you, but they're going to deport me and you don't want to be around when all of this goes down. I'm not going to look, I'm going to turn into a war criminal. I'll look like a rapist. I'll look like a murderer. They're going to paint me in all of these ways. But if you stick it out and have faith in me, maybe they'll let me stay. And so she stands by his side through the court cases. And a whole thing is done in a Jamaican MC rapping fashion. And I just thought this was the most radical and insane thing that I'd ever heard. All with this combination of traditional English or Scots melody and Indian Bollywood backing band. It's just, it's total mind boggle. It's amazeballs. Bellowhead is like a pop folk band. They're, you never know how many there are. I think there's like nine of them. Sometimes there's 16 of them. They're a huge band. They're fronted by John Spires and John Bowden, like concertina and fiddle. And Sam McAvoy, I think. Young Sam used to play in a group called Kerfuffle, who were young and emerging when I met them, but just kind of exploded on the scene. And they do English folk ballads, really daggy ones, but like the Stray Hens, they make them big and they actually sound a lot closer to the tradition than the Stray Hens does, but they just have these amazing audiences at festivals. They'll play to 5,000 people in a marquee. It's just off the hook amazing. I've seen people, I've seen 2,000 people queue to see Bellowhead. It's just, it's, it, and it was such a strange thing to see. So when I went from the Australian folk scene, we have Port Ferry and the National and Woodford. They're our biggest festivals. Folk festivals, sorry. <laughs> And now that folk is kind of more popular, you can find folk at other festivals, but when I was growing up, it was just, really, folk was just at these three major festivals and some smaller ones scattered throughout the country. And then I got to England, and it was one of these festivals every weekend, and the stages were phenomenal, and there's like ten different foldback wedges, and there's stage text to click your guitar in when you get there, and I'm looking around at this going, <laughs> my mind is blown, this is amazing. We have three of these in all of Australia, and they're spread from one end of the country to the other, so this is quite amazing, and I guess, but I guess that's, that's what made me feel like maybe it could be done here, because we do have a folk scene, but we don't have, we haven't had until recently much integration where younger audiences feel like that they can engage and they can be performers or they can be in, involved in the booking and the management or they can find a place and really belong and that they're, we kind of, until recently, we were very much, Australians very much viewed folk music as something that old people did and young people were expected to go hang out at Meredith and Golden Plains and you, that's what you do. And Bellowhead and Imagine Village made me feel like we could make something really accessible to both audiences in a, in a good way. Well, the ocean's blind would turn to wine and I'll forget me beer or I'll forget my beer my lads and the landlord's tab I'll play before I forget my own did make a thousand miles away so we'll sing what I've picked up on from listening is that you're really into the lyric and the story behind a song. Yeah. And yeah. do you have a favourite song? No, no. Do you I don't. Ha have a favourite sort of song? <laughs> top five? There's a lot of songs that I like. At the moment, I have been going a bit mental, ordering and buying albums from people that I know from Australia, some from the UK as well. Uh, there's an album 
by Brooke Russell and the Mean Reds, which I just love. It's mostly it's mostly country stuff. So I've been I've been kind of getting into into that. Do you have an album that you think everyone should own? Oh, so many, so many albums I think everyone should own. What I think everybody should do is have a look at the acts in their local area, have a look at Beat and Impress, but maybe troll Facebook or Bandcamp and buy independent local artists' work. There's a lot of really good stuff out and it's very easy to say, well, everyone should own Legion Leaf by Fairport Convention. Not everyone's going to get that. What I think everyone should do is go and support their local artists because that's what encourages the diversity and keeps us afloat. And honestly, that's what I'm listening to. I'm listening to Rory Faithfield, whose album I picked up at a festival. I think we did a swap. I'm listening to Owen Campbell, who is sometimes known as the angry busker, because he went on, was it Australia's Got Talent or something, and insulted Kyle Sandylands. But I've known him since I was a kid, and he plays really great music. Owen Campbell's from Canberra, but he's been in America. Tracy McNeil and The Good Life. The Waves. You know, they've got new stuff coming out, which is just great. Mum thinks everybody should own the Shakespeare sonnets by Paul Kelly. Uh, Aileen O'Hanlon has a fantastic album called Blend and Spill. Rich Davies has got an album due out very soon. And of course, everybody should have all of my albums, which are available on Bandcamp. <laughs> that is very true. About a thousand times a week When Jimmy held a pint at the bar In the pollen well I was interested in the Joni Mitchell Festival Folk Sing. Yeah, you collaborated yeah. on what was that? So, Festival Folk Sing is a project by Marina Hurley. She assembles a group of people that she'd like to work with each for each project and she gets them all to record a song by a particular artist. In that case it was Joni Mitchell. I've also contributed to one songs of Eric Bogle. They've done one for Bob Dylan and they've got one coming out really shortly. Marina does all this in her spare time so you have to go looking but there's a Facebook site called Festival Folk Scene and uh, the really amazing thing about it is that I got to be on an album and then at these festivals where we launched the albums on a on a bill on a lineup with these fantastic performers. Mary Black has contributed to one of them. Uh, the Judy Small one we did. Oh, I love the Judy Small one. I learnt Judy's song From the Lambing to the Wool, which is a very Australian landscape story. It's about uh, sung from the perspective of a working woman on a sheep farm. Times when I've wondered if it all was worth the doing. And there have been times when I thought this was the finest place there is. And that album was just just insane. So I got to play with, I think, Jez Lowe from England recorded her song Turn Right and Go Straight. And we, we all got to stand on stage and sing these songs right in front of Judy Small, who's a fantastic influence in the Australian folk scene. And Eric Bogle, I was sitting next to him at the payment queue at, at the National Folk Festival. And I sat down and kind of realised I'd sat down next to Eric Bogle and went, oh, gee, I hope he likes my version of his song. What am I going to do? And he went, yeah, <laughs> aren't you, aren't you, didn't you? Went, yeah, that was, yeah, that was me. Yep, good work. Because <laughs> he's a gruff Scottish guy and I'm not going to pretend to do the accent. Bad idea, but yeah, that was my, my week sorted out. I was on cloud nine. My name is Bluey Schmidt. I love the sunburned country and I'm bloody proud of it. 
and a love for simple way of life and the things we all hold dear, like BFL and Big Ben Pies and foaming to his beer. I love our old It's a great trick, these collaborative albums, a bit like tribute shows that they're doing here for people like Hank Williams. And I guess it's it's been a fun ride because I get to really trawl with proper concentration through all of their material to choose a song. And then I have to learn to interpret their song in my own voice, which is sometimes quite challenging because I'm not a 65-year-old Scottish man. No. <laughs> and even the song you sang at eight, you're not the mm. woman that's about to no. die. <laughs> no. I still, I still sing that song in sessions sometimes if I'm persuaded to. What's wrong with good Australian food? You slow and you Good healthy stuff like pie In my family, my stepfather's father used to get the spoons out and the squeeze box in yeah. a Saturday night party. Did yeah. you have many experiences like that? I've seen a lot of like local Kayleys or bush dances like that, but mostly my experience of those events comes from festivals, which is where the community comes together from all over the country to, to meet and have a, a gathering, I and guess. get their spoons out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although we did have a, a nice night on Tuesday. I worked a shift at the Lomond because trying to raise enough money to get this album printed. The Strahan's album is costing me a lot of money to get started. Um, hopefully it'll pay off like the last one did, but we'll see. But we, I did this shift and on a Tuesday night at the Lomond Hotel, there's an Irish session, which is very much in the tradition. There's one one guy, Danny Burke, who comes in, he leads the session, plays fiddle. But the night started with Jimmy Dowling, Lucy Thorne, Liz Stringer, and a bunch of amazing people sitting at the bar having a chat. They were just hanging out watching the music. Oh, and Siobhan from The Drunken Poet. And it just kind of went up from there. So the session musos started to filter in and they sat at their reserved table. Because um, the Lomond is a proper traditional pub, you know, if we have a session on, we put a reserve sign up for the band and the, the players. And I got called out from behind the bar and the, the bartender I was working with covered me for a song and I went out and I did a song and got my round of applause and went back behind the bar and then they played fiddles again while I served pints. So I guess, I guess it is kind of part of my, my community, but it wasn't something my family did. No, but you just had the musicians in your house. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, they were there sort of before gigs and after gigs, but not, some, not, not as much with the sessions. By a lonely prison wall I heard a young girl call So do you have any memories of playing songs over and over and over that really, when you were younger, like, oh, yeah. have, have you got a particular example of a song that just you couldn't ever get enough of? I used to be like that with Fields of Athenry. I was quite obsessive with a couple of indicating songs that I used to play over and over, over and over. Wind is cold and blowing, leaves are dry and falling. Night is dark and lonely, and I'm calling you. Wet Tuesday in February. I'm in England and I'm down. Made a vow to myself this morning. So there are there are a lot of songs I played on repeat. I'm a big I'm a big fan of finding something you really like and just listening over and over. Ah, oh, that's that's one that I'm the one I'm listening to on repeat at the moment. It's on YouTube. You can find it. It's James Kenyon singing a song called Silver Water Long Bay, 
and he's backed by the women from the If You See Her Say Hello Choir, which I joined this year. The girls were singing along to a Kanye West song, hanging out of the car, screaming at the stars. The speed I was dialing up, I think I was spooked by a truck. I didn't put any rubber down. The If You See Her Say Hello Choir, which I think is taken from a Bob Dylan lyric, <laughs> is a choir of female Melbourne singer-songwriters who got together to do a fringe show last year, performing each of their own songs as a choir. Wow. It's breathtaking, and you can find them on Facebook. They do little events, and some of the women from the choir went to the studio with James Kenyon to Miles Mumford's Rolling Stock Records, and they recorded this with a choir backing, and I'm listening to that on repeat at the moment. That's what you should go and buy. Go buy James Kenyon's Silverwater Long Bay. Definitely. When did you become aware that you wanted to be a musician? Or did you have to have that awareness? Or was it just there? I was very affected by the glamour when I was a kid. And that's not always a healthy thing. But I guess at the time when I was growing up, I kind of felt like there were musicians and then there were normal people. And the musicians kind of glittered like vampires from Twilight series. They, were, they looked like diamonds to me. They were amazing and glamorous. And everybody else was just kind of everybody else. And you were either one of the people, the fairies, or you were a person. And I, I kind of don't feel like that anymore because I know a lot of very visual creative people who don't really get music and I know a lot of really interesting well-read well-spoken passionate people who don't really get into the arts that's a lie I know some of those people I don't know I don't know lots of those people I, I don't I don't I, I immerse myself in creative environments and so I tend to see those people more than I see anyone else but I guess I, I didn't have a moment where I decided I wanted to be a musician. It was either just part of the tradition, so something that we did as a social event, so that's just what we did. The family goes to festivals, the family watches music and the family plays music. That's what we do and that's our that's our culture. And I don't think I was I don't think I thought so eloquently about it. It just it just was the done thing. But also it didn't feel like I had to make a choice to be a musician. It was just that's that was what I wanted to do and it wasn't choosing from a, a group of different things. In grade three at Westgarth Primary School, they asked me what language I wanted to learn, and I said Welsh. They laughed at me and said, Welsh, what could you possibly do with that? That's not gonna get you a job. And I'm now thinking that as a folk musician, Knowing Welsh or, or speaking the language of Scotland or Ireland, I might be worth a little money now. <laughs> it would be an extra bow, you know, I could, I could sing in language and that would be great. Um, and I could still learn that. But I guess my second choice was, and they said, what would you like to be? And I said, I'd like to be an anthropologist. They said, well, what do you think an anthropologist does? And I said, well, I think an anthropologist studies the way people live and, and kind of what cultural rituals they have and things like that. And they said, no, I think you'll find that they measure bones and they dig things a lot. Because my primary school teacher, who had a probably very limited education himself, had an 
one kind of anthropology. He just told me that's what it was and just shut me down. And I think that was the point where I just went, well, I don't care. I'm just gonna everything I choose. None of you like this. So I'm just why would I buy into this? So it wasn't a choice. I just ended up there. I don't think I really recorded anything until the first album, which creatively I'm not that proud of, but I got to do with Joe O'Brien, who now lives in Warrnambool. Yeah, so the first album, Boxes and Grooves, which you can't really find anywhere anymore. I think I have one copy left. That was probably the... F I recorded an album to get me to go overseas. That was probably... I think this grows Maybe there's another recording of it. My mother took me the first time. I had my 21st in Sandy Bell's Folk Club in Edinburgh. <laughs> 21, 20. And then again I went when I was uh, a little older and then again. And are you planning to tour with Australian? I wanted to. I wanted to really badly. But it takes a lot of money in organisation. In the last year or so, organising the Stray Hens has been a massive personal challenge. The, the guys have all had different priorities and we all want a tour, but making a tour happen involves a lot of fundraising, a lot of planning, and it also requires a commitment from each member of the band. That 18 months before it happens, in terms of time, and most of the members of the Stray Hens haven't really been comfortable to do that because they don't know about their own incomes or their own lifestyles. Our original bass player, Richard Grace, has moved to the desert with his partner, who's teaching, and stepped away from the band, which is very sad, but at least we get to celebrate his time with us with this new album, which is really good. We've got something to really party with. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Sally Taylor's leaving us um, she's got a job and she's got two other bands and it just it's just not suiting her anymore and the music she loves playing the music but it just when it stacks up against all of the other influences in her life she can't choose us in in, the, in terms of those commitments yeah so we've taken a new fiddle player on board Claire Johnston and Claire's also interested in touring and loves the band and we're really excited to have her but at the moment Claire is still studying at uni. I think to make a tour happen we'd need to find an agent who is willing to book the, the events for us and probably we have to see how well this album does. Uh, I think we're gonna print a thousand copies and and it comes out on the 2nd of December? Yeah, well we're launching on the 2nd of December so we really need a lot of support to, to get it to happen. Instruments? Do you just play guitar now? I have a, a mandolin by Graham McDonald. So I play two guitars by Jack Spira from Cockatoo and Dandenong Rangers. And I play a, a, a Graham McDonald mandolin. And I haven't got a pickup for that, so it doesn't come to many gigs anymore. It's quite hard to amplify. But it does feature on my album Tall Tales and Pretty Colours. And I write a lot of songs on it. And I just love it. It gets lent out for lots of session musician work and every time I take it anywhere people fall in love with it and it becomes a real talking piece so I'm a big fan of it. I, I think I own a banjo. I had one in England. I think someone still has it. I'm hoping. It's been a long time, six or seven years since I was in England. Wow. So, yeah. A garden with a breeze and a river that won't freeze. I'll buy you a brooch with a pin and a dress with a skirt. 
what is the most memorable gig you've ever been to? <laughs> I've had some memorable, memorable things. I really remember watching a room cry when Archie Roach sang They Took the Children Away. They did not keep And how they fenced us in like sheep Said to us, come take care of him Set us up on mission That was really impressive. I saw the Cat Empire at Woodford Folk Festival once and I thought I was gonna, I'd heard about them, people have been telling me about them, I thought I was gonna be really impressed, but the arena itself wasn't doing it for me. I went down the front so I could get a really great, you know, experience, but it was the amphitheater at Woodford and I was surrounded by a sea of screaming 12 year olds and one of them was having conniptions. I just, I love Harry. <laughs> Some, one of the others was like, is that the one, is that the one who sings? And it's like, no, it's the one who plays trumpet. Oh, and he sings. But she was like practically crying and jerking around like Mick Jagger, you know, she's crazy. And I kind of leaned down to her and I said, if you scream less, you will hear more. And she went, oh. And I felt like such a, an old curmudgeon, you know, but she went, oh, wow, that's so true. And she ran around to all of her little friends. So that I ended up in this kind of very memorable pocket of silence in a screaming sea of 12 year olds looking at the Cat Empire do this very choreographed thing. I think I might have enjoyed the gig more if I hadn't seen that many shows in, in a big arena before. So that was, that was kind of, that was different. I remembered it pretty clearly. <laughs> I was wondering, because have you seen Gillian Welsh play at no, all? No, I haven't seen her either. I, I got into Gillian because I went to a party with Jimmy Dowling and Slime Nugent showed up and he sang Everything is Free Now and I oh. nearly wet myself. It was just, I was like, what is that? Because you haven't heard Gillian Welsh before. <laughs> Like, no? And then I got into, so I got into Simon Nugent's stuff at the same time as I got into Julian Well. I played on repeat, is Simon Nugent's Gently As She Goes. Have you heard Simon Nugent? Snuck upon me and we took off our wings and at the time we were both talking true. And now I don't know that I loved you as well as I could. I was loving you for good Ah, it's, just, it's a beautiful, it's a break, it's a post-breakup song, but it's a really loving post-breakup song. Ah, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And we always seem to work it out. We were fierce and humble, but then one day, babe, you told me you were shooting through. Well, what is it about music that keeps you keeps you going? I think it's very renewing. So you can get really tired and worn out. Even sometimes, you know, through rehearsals, you, you're kind of hashing out old stuff and it's not very inspiring. But somebody just has to play three chords that you haven't heard before or play something really well and suddenly it's a new moment and it flushes your system with all these hormones and you go, ha, I'm alive. I think, I think that's, what, that's what does it for me. Yeah, it makes my heart sing. That's how I feel with music. My faith in you, oh, oh, oh. 
I have a couple of stupid questions to ask you. Silly so questions. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are, you have to choose one or the other. I've given you two things. You have to tell me which one you think is your favourite. Guitars or drums? Guitars. Beatles or Elvis? Beatles. ABBA or the Ramones? The Ramones. Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Nirvana. The Go-Betweens or Paul Kelly? Paul Kelly. Sorry, guys. The Go-Betweens are also... I just heard... Um, oh, God, I'm bad with names. What's his name? Uh, on the radio. I, love I heard him. this really lovely long interview. It was nighttime. It was on the ABC. I think it might have been regional ABC. And I was driving home. And it was just this beautiful interview where he was talking about his relationship with Grant and, and how the trajectory of the band had changed. And I think... The beautiful thing about the go-betweens and Paul Kelly is that they both give you a lot of insight into their musical pathways and their, I guess, their lives and, and the, the trajectory that they've been on all the way through. So it's kind of hard to choose between them, but I didn't get into the go-betweens until till Tim Heath from The Basics was like, what do you mean you don't know the go-betweens? I was like, I don't, I don't know. He's like, really? You don't know the... Tim Heath's um, Basics is Gotcha, Wally DeBacca's other thing. Oh, yeah. And they do these great song rooms on Wednesday nights where they have songwriters come and they, they play with these like songwriters. And really great sessions. And Tim's quite knowledgeable about music, but he likes Arlo Guthrie and people in the go-betweens and quite rough, the rough side of the folk scene that I never really even listened to before. Paul Kelly, on the other hand, I've had a passion for Paul Kelly stuff since I was a kid. Who hasn't? I don't think that you'll have much trouble with this one. Country or drum and bass? I like a bit of drum and bass, but there's a lot of country I don't like. Country. <laughs> or classical or hip-hop? Again, it's not really fair. Classical. And do you prefer the gigs or the studio? I used to prefer the gigs, but now I prefer the studio. It changed this year. House or trance? Oh, the boats are bad. <laughs> House. And the Sex Pistols or Joy Division? Interestingly, Joy Division. That is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and my other silly question is Bonnie Prince Billy told me he would do a duet with me and I'm wondering what song you think that Bonnie Prince Billy and I should do I think you and Bonnie Prince Billy should sing Kate Rusby's Time oh cool, that would be great Matrio have done a cover of it which is quite great excellent, thank you Mandy for being a part of making a musician, I really appreciate it spending my, this time with you it's my pleasure, it's, it's nice, it's good timing because I really need that support for the Stray Hands album and it's actually, I'm very grateful for you to have me oh no worries if ever I'm ill be tidy again be sore against my will it went to feed